The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. But first, as you've been hearing, yesterday Israeli forces entered the largest hospital in Gaza in what they said was a targeted operation against Hamas inside the Al Shifa hospital, where medical personnel from Médecins Sans Frontières, uh, Doctors Without Borders. I'm joined now by Enas Abu Khalaf, their head of communications. Good morning and welcome. Good morning, Pat. Thanks for having me. What can you tell us about what happened yesterday at the Al Shifa hospital? Um, unfortunately, we lost contact with our um, colleagues who works for Médecins Sans Frontières inside Al Shifa hospital. But based on the last um, contact, the situation was simply continued to deteriorate, and um, uh, and uh, many uh, families um, took refuge inside Al Shifa hospital. We, we've received text messages from an, an MSF nurse telling us that we're um, we're, we're being killed basically in, in inside the hospital um unfortunately um there's continuation in power cuts and also uh, there's no food and water inside the facility we talk about roughly speaking six to seven um team members so so the overall situation it, it continues to deteriorate and 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 again like as israeli forces enters al shifa hospital we once again call um, uh, for the protection of medical um, staff, patients, and also displaced um, civilians who took um, uh, shelter inside um, the MSF um, hospital. And, and we are extremely worried and, and concerned for their lives, not only inside Al-Shifa hospital, but also in the surrounding area of Al-Shifa hospital. There are um, three um, uh, premises like small clinics for Médecins Sans Frontières (MSF), and uh, we talk about a hundred people, civilians and medical staff, uh, who were with very f- close proximity to uh, to bombings in in these areas. So, um, also um, two days ago, uh, we've managed to uh, to to have um, an additional team, fifteen international and national staff. Uh, who entered Gaza from Egypt. So they will try to support as much as possible the medical and surgical capacity in in, in the southern part of Gaza Strip as well, uh, where the infrastructure has has, has collapsed and and, and the medics are, are exhausted, not only physically, but also I mean, psychologically, they are really um, um, drained. Um, and, and, you know, I mean, our teams, they continue to, to support as much as possible, but, uh, but the situation is very difficult. Um, and so- MSF nurse told us that while uh, he was heading to Al-Shifa Hospital a few days ago to work in the morning shift, uh, the facility was hit and all the uh, the colleagues were horrified. Some of them, they threw themselves on the ground. They saw dead bodies, including women and children. The scene is is, is horrific and and and, and is really um, continuing to to happen as we speak. The only way out, the only exit, is an unconditional ceasefire, and also to allow uh, supply of humanitarian aid uh, and food uh, to to access Gaza. Uh, Inas, are you optimistic after the Security Council passed a resolution 
calling for a protracted cessation of the hostilities, that this might happen quickly? Well, I mean, we hope that any immediate action uh, to happen, but honestly, like it's it's very it's very gloomy. The scene is very gloomy at the moment. Nothing is moving. Everything is slow. Even the entry of medical supplies. I mean, we have managed to put together some twenty six tons of medical and health supplies on a WHO plane in close coordination with the Egyptian Red uh, Crescent. But the process was very, very lengthy and very, uh, very slow. So, so I mean, everything is is taking a long time to happen on ground. And, and every minute we're losing lives, every minute. Uh, there is like a direct implication of, of this on the, on the lives of civilians, including children. Uh, so, so this has to happen quicker and we support anything that would lead into an unconditional ceasefire in, in, in Gaza. Our medical staff, they are terrified. They are trying to do what they can uh, to save lives. Uh, uh, but those stuck inside the health facilities, they, they're, they're, they lost the immunity and protection. So, so we have to, to really move in that direction. Ceasefire first and then allow the humanitarian uh, teams to do their job on ground. And we have to look into the bigger picture of what's happening to really assess the needs, not only in the north of Gaza Strip, uh, where the focus is uh, at the moment, but also in the center and in the south of Gaza. Um, and, and of course, I mean, again, like we see this move of the Israeli army entering Al-Shifa Hospital. It's a catastrophic uh, uh, situation. Al Shifa Hospital is a major lifeline in Gaza Strip. We talk about 700 beds capacity, and it provides emergency and surgical care. So this, this, this cannot be tolerated. This cannot be accepted. And and there are currently no other facilities in this strip able to admit and treat as many patients as uh, Al Shifa Hospital. Enas Abu Khalaf, Head of Communications with Médecins Sans Frontières, Doctors Without Borders. Thank you very much for joining us on the programme. Thanks for having me. Now, the US President Joe Biden has said he's mildly hopeful about the chances of freeing more than 200 people who are held hostage in Gaza. I'm joined by Scott Lucas, Professor and Political Analyst at the Clinton Institute at University College Dublin. Scott, good morning. Very good morning to you, Pa. Now, uh, first of all, overnight, uh, the Security Council vote and uh, the U.S. abstained, did not uh, use a veto, which they could. What is the significance of that? Well, there is a limited significance in that not only the U.S., but the U.K., who also abstained, praised Malta for bringing the resolution forward to the U.N. Security Council effectively saying that, yeah, they they supported the resolution's call for a humanitarian pause. The reason why the U.S. and the U.K. did not vote for the resolution instead of abstaining was that it did not specifically condemn Hamas uh, by name. So in other words, you know, don't just blame the Israelis, blame Hamas for starting this on October 7th. But the larger message is clear, is that uh, not a ceasefire, we have to emphasize that, but that almost everyone in the international community uh, is now putting out the message to Israel, look, we need to have a meaningful humanitarian pause, not just a few hours, but at least a few days uh, to get aid into the Strip, to try to get civilians to some measure of safety, and to try to, I think, open the way 
to somehow start to limit these Israeli operations, both the bombing and the ground assault. Now, we heard about the Israeli forces uh, entering Al-Shifa Hospital. Um, information is limited, but the reporting was that uh, they, they weren't entering and shooting all around them. They were talking to people, interrogating people and uh, searching for uh, the weaponry and the control centre that they believed was belie- beneath the hospital. Um I don't know whether anybody got hurt in that particular incursion by the IDF, but I wasn't too impressed by what they found, if that's all there is. Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, we need to highlight that this was a PR operation, not a military operation. Uh, You know, intelligence services have been saying that Hamas commanders who haven't already been killed by the Israeli uh, air attacks uh, have relocated in the southern part of the Gaza Strip, that they, if they were in Al-Shifa Hospital, and I have to emphasize there's no evidence that, of a Hamas command post there, uh, if they were there, they're long gone. Um, so what the Israelis did is they moved in anyway after you know many days of siege. Uh, they lined up a few um, automatic, semi-automatic rifles on the ground and said that they had captured Hamas assets, whatever that might be. You know, there may have been some wounded Hamas fighters amongst those who were being treated in Al-Shifa. But at the end of the day, what I've got to say is, you know, I can't say 100 percent, but I've seen no evidence that there was a Hamas command post. I've seen no evidence there was an imminent military threat from Hamas based in that hospital. Hospital staff have said Hamas fighters were not positioned there. And so the Israelis, I think, amidst this international pressure, are looking not only to have failed if this was a military operation, the PR operation is also not going very well at all either. Now, uh, there have been comments uh, by President Herzog of Israel and also by President Joe Biden about what happens uh, at the end of this uh, phase of war. The war seems to be eternal in this part of the world, but at the end of this phase, who's going to run Gaza? Well, I mean, in the comments from Isaac Herzog, the the Israeli president are significant because he's not seen as being as much of a, quote, hardliner as Prime Minister Netanyahu. But Herzog said effectively what Netanyahu did, and they used kind of, you know, code words for it. But effectively, this is going to be a long, uh, long-term security zone. In other words, an Israeli occupation of Gaza, uh, just like Israel maintains an occupation of the West Bank. Uh, that means that the idea that Israel was going to hit, go in, hit, hit Hamas, and then withdraw uh, that's now, I think, off the agenda, at least the way the Israelis are talking. And of course, almost no one in the international community supports an Israeli occupation. They only see further instability and security beyond it. So rather than the Israelis giving us some sign of what the end game is in Gaza, I think they're just pointing de- somewhat uh, in desperation to the idea of, uh, we're not going to stop, we're not going to stop, you can't make us stop. Um, finally, we should look across the Atlantic and uh, that meeting between President Xi of uh, China and uh, President Joe Biden. And uh, I was watching some of the coverage last evening, and it seems that the state press in China was making all sorts of glowing references to the United States, our our brothers, our friends, uh, etc., uh, in anticipation. So there does appear to be, orchestrated or otherwise, a thaw. Well, after the meeting, the uh, Chinese press, you know, you talk about if you read it in English, uh, it's like Global Times, China Daily. The buzzword was cooperation, that cooperation uh, had been renewed with the United States. They uh, 
did not criticize the United States as they have done, you know, for months leading up to this meeting in terms of being provocative. They referred to agreements that were made between Xi and Biden uh, on, for example, China trying to limit the uh, production of fentanyl, the opioid, which has been so deadly inside the United States. They talked about an agreement on artificial intelligence. Uh, They've been talking about talks on climate change. Uh, you know, trying to make some type of cooperative advance there. It still remains, and the Chinese media highlighted it, and the Biden people highlighted it, that uh, she talked very forcefully about Taiwan in the sense that, you know, America should accept that one day it will be reintegrated back into China. It will not be autonomous. But she did use the word peaceful. This would be done through peaceful means, which is kind of all right, China and the United States on perhaps the key issue of conflict have gone back to the rules of the game. And that is uh, the United States does not support Taiwan's independence and continues to maintain a one China policy. And China, even as it looks to at some point bring Taiwan back into the Chinese system, will not do it through the use of military force. Oh, good news, it would appear, at least on that front. Scott Lucas, Professor and Political Analyst at the Clinton Institute at University College Dublin, uh, thank you very much for joining us. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am on News Talk.